Welcome to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Planiverse, episode 12. Today's episode is sponsored by ThinkerExtraordinaire.com, who specialise in helping people figure out the next step in the job search, winning interviews and learning how to be experts in the job search game. And with me today is... Karina Tovmasian. And I'm Steve Moulton, of course. Kareen, what are we going to talk about today then? Steve, it's packed with information today. Today's episode is called Job Seeking and Keeping. And since I'm the resident expert on job seeking and keeping, I'm going to guide us through a few tools that are necessary for those of us who are looking for work and those of us who already have work and how to use the planner in the job search and how to use the planner once we have the job and want to maintain records and keep our best information on record so that we can always reference it. We also turn this around a little bit and do it for the interviewer the person interviewing people, how they can use a planner to keep record of the people they're interviewing as well. That would be outstanding. I would love to have some information on that. So as we dive in, the most important thing to look at is what tools are needed for job seeking. Ideally, you're going to need a telephone that rings, a computer that computes, a printer that prints, and most importantly, you're going to need a notebook or a planner of some sort. The reason why I like to keep information in my planner is because the computer and the other digital software that are around it, all the peripherals, are not always available or sometimes I've been told please leave those things at the door or in your car if you're coming into an interview. Mm. And in fact this last time I told you Steve, right, I had gone to an interview and they Mm. said please make sure all the digital devices you have are left at home. Well if you're keeping all your notes on there, well what good is it going to be? Uh, Sure enough, I was able to walk into a secured facility with a planner and I was able to take notes. I just asked, can I take notes? And they said, sure, go ahead. So I have a nice record of the discussion that we had and who said what and I can keep my notes. And then if I want to, I can go ahead and take a picture of that and transfer that to Evernote for digitization later. But as it goes, those are the basic tools for job seeking. Um, You're also going to keep going to want to keep a list of names and experts that can help you. For example, I'm a professional resume writer. I do CVs, I do resumes, I help um, coach people through their career issues and life issues and manage that. And one of the biggest questions that comes up is why why is it so dang repetitive? It's not a question really, It's it's a complaint. If I'm sending in my application, why do I also have to send in my resume? Or the other way around, can't they see the informations on the CV? Why do I have to put it in the application? And one of the easiest answers for that is because they don't go to the same place. Sometimes administration gets the application. Mm. Sometimes HR, human resources, get the resume. They all get get separated out as well. Application forms typically also get separated out to actually hide who is actually um, applying for the job. So the name, correct. sometimes the name might be there, but your address details, your age details will be removed. Uh, It's not passed on to the interviewer at all. Correct, because they want to make an unbiased decision yeah. um, as guided by law. Mm. So so one of the things that you can do to help yourself out is take out a sample application from anywhere because I guarantee you most of the information is going to be the same. Applications are applications mm. around the world. You're mm. going to have to have basic information, your current address, phone number, all that stuff. But you're also going to need a list of places you've worked, 
names mm. of employers who've hired you, names of supervisors, phone numbers, addresses, these things don't change. And so if you keep a running record in your planner of all the places you've ever worked, once an application is handed to you, all you got to do is pop open your planner and yeah. the information's in there. You don't have to sit and recreate, oh, what date was it that I left that job or when when did that happen? Did they have computers back then? In my I don't know. Most not in my, not. no, we were just starting to learn how to use fire back then. So it was... And I think you must really agree with me here, but you must, you really should... Uh, personalize your CV or resume for each job to look at the key things that they're looking for from the job advert and you must build those into the CV or the application that you're sending in they can't be you can't just rely on the same one each time so if you've got um, a record in your planner of all the different elements that you've done in any particular job going back in time maybe maybe not to the you know very when you first started your career but certainly in the last five or ten years you can then use that information uh, that you've got in your planner to personalize your cv or resume for that job um, that you're applying for um, yeah i definitely agree with there. you yeah, it's it's very true. I call that tailoring the resume mm. to make sure that the client is uh, the client, the employer, is receiving the information that they're looking for. Um, folks, these people don't have a lot of time to look through your resume. Mm. They get approximately six to eight seconds mm. is what the human eye glances over or scans through on any given day working in a human resources department. Mm. It's usually the lowest paid employee. It's usually the person that's been told, please give me the first 20 qualifying applicants on my desk and they're going to go through and hopefully get through before lunch. They're going to be grumpy while they're looking at your resume. So you've got six to eight seconds to make your case as to why they shouldn't shred your resume. And, you're describing and me here. You're, I'm describing you, right? Is that how it worked? Right, Steve? You read, you've read through resumes. I actually, in, my, in a previous <laughs> life, I actually sort of did a project um, as part of career development to help the HR department try and speed up the whole recruitment process. And part of that was, that cupboard over there, Steve, it's got some CVs and job applications. Could you sift through and see if there's any of them that are suitable and which suitable for which jobs? So I, I was given sort of six or seven different job descriptions that they were looking to fill. And I had to go through about 400 application forms. Yep. Yep. and separate them out into either you know generally suitable for any of them or ones that were specific to uh, you know one particular job sort of thing right it's a pretty soulless task but you know you the whole point really is to get the best qualified person for the for the job that they're going to succeed in really right yeah. And, and I think that's what's important in being able to keep your planner updated and ready mm. to go is so that when you do set up your resume and you hand it in, you're giving the employer exactly what they're looking for. They mm. don't have to sift through it. It's right at no. the top immediately. Within the first no, six to eight seconds, they can check off and say, yep, 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 yep. If this person yep. has all the points I need. Move on. Next, next resume. And uh, so one of the questions that comes up, I know, Steve, you said, was do we bring the planner into – into the interview how are we going to look if we bring a planner or we write mm. notes and what are your thoughts on that well i've seen this question asked so many times um, on facebook and various other places and i 
in my experience of interviewing people, I've actually seen people bring samples of their work. May not have been a planner that they've brought in with them, mm-hmm. but it's been a, a project folder or something like that that they've been able to show the sort of uh, detail of work that they've done in the past. And it just goes that extra step further. It builds, you know, you may have, you might have already decided that you're going to employ this guy or whatever, but this just adds that extra confidence factor that you've made the right decision. It's um, like finding out at the yeah. at the cashier that there's an extra 25% off what you're buying, yeah, right? Absolutely. It just makes you want to buy it even more. Yeah. <laughs> you go out sort of feeling quite happy about it. Well, I call that I call that tartar sauce because I have a saying: when you go after mm. Moby Dick, you bring the tartar sauce. <laughs> you you you'll want to make sure that when you're going into the interview, uh, one that you're prepared, and two that your job is to make sure that the interviewer understands that you are the best person for that mm. job. You want to make sure you stay as long as you can because the minute you leave, somebody else is going to fill that seat. Competition is mm. going to fill that seat. Yeah. And you want to make sure that the information you're bringing is relevant and allows the employer to feel good about the fact that they're going to pay you a lot of money to do something. They want to make sure they get their return on investment. Also, there's no harm in using your planner towards the end of the interview mm-hmm. when you're when the you as the interviewee is asking the interviewer questions you know they always sort of say and have you got any questions for us and the answer to everyone should always be yes don't ever say no when they ask you do you have any questions for us you always want to say yes and so yeah steve make Uh, your point so you 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 can actually use that if you've got any um questions that you've thought up before you've gone into the interview we all go in a heightened state of mind into interviews. That It's just a, an unnatural process for most of us. And so it's very easy to... You, what you don't want to be doing is you don't want to be driving away from that interview and then thinking, I wish I'd asked them this question or right. I wish I'd asked them that. You know, you need to take that opportunity and use it to the max each time you go into an interview and you don't want to look don't want to be too inquisitive and go into real long-winded things because those guys are going to be looking at their watches Uh, you won't you won't see the clock but the clock's on the wall behind you Mm -hmm. and they'll be looking at that clock thinking well we've got 15 minutes in which to summarize what this candidate was like before the next one comes in sort of thing. So you don't want to take up too much of that time if you can help it. So keep it succinct, but by having your planner there with the sort of the nice simple questions that they can answer, even if it's just a simple yes, no answer to your questions, that's fine. You can just just simply put a tick or a cross next to those sort of uh, questions sort of thing. Yeah. So you get sort of the feedback you wanted. And there's no harm also in asking, and when do I expect to hear back? Right. Because, That's actually a very good way to help them yeah. understand that you're interested in the job, mm. right? Because you should almost, I, I know from experience when I was looking around for a job, is I almost had like a, a customer um, management or like contact sheet for each job that I was applying for. Mm. And it had the details of um, the company, the contact um, person's name, telephone number, the name of the job, you know, the, the actual position I was applying for, and details of the job if the, if the, they'd actually included that. 
and then you can keep rec a record of dates when you sent your application in the date that you heard back um, date of interview and that sort of thing and so you've got like a if you're replying for several jobs at right. the same time you can quickly flip through those sheets and see where you currently are and know whether you've got to chase someone or not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, look, if the only way to get a job really is to know someone. And this mm -hmm. is the process of networking. Nine out of ten people get a job through someone that they know. Mm -hmm. So sending in your resume cold or, or trying to contact an employer without having any contact is difficult enough. I think one of the – that's a very good tip for our listeners is to start up a tab where you have the point of contact, their phone number, you want to know the secretary's name, you want to know what they're doing, what their schedule is, because if you're going to be calling back, you don't want to be fumbling for these names. The, this, the more you streamline the process of job seeking, the easier and easier it will get. And I think ew, you had mentioned um, interviewing and questions. A couple of takeaway points that you all could use, I, I have a list of top 12 questions that are asked in interviews and this has been across the board whether it's been um, in Botswana a couple of places where I worked and in Kenya or in America I've noticed that interview questions pretty much revolve around 12 concerns and at the end of the day the employer wants to know a couple of things number one are you going to need a lot of hand-holding are you going to be difficult to manage can I are you going to do the job that you were hiring you to do and will you make us the money that we need one important takeaway question you can ask when they say, do you have any questions for us, is absolutely say, is there anything else that you would like to know that I've not discussed, that we've not discussed during this interview? Because this allows the employer to see you as a human being as opposed to just another person coming through that door. Mm. It relaxes the environment and it allows people to see that, wow, this person is actually wanting to have a conversation with us mm. as opposed through, uh, to going through the scripted uh, interviewer-interviewee relationship uh, that, that often gets set up in, in awkward settings like that, right? Mm. And and you're, if you're interviewing lots of people, you end up going through the same questions because they're, they're reliant on um, basing their questions solely on what you filled in on the application form uh, against the, the sort of job description that they're trying to fill. Right. They, it would be dangerous, to say the least, to actually sort of move away from that sort of area because you, you if you start introducing other things, you, you end up in a dangerous situation of being um, accused of unfair sort of tactics. Because right. Done about in certainly in UK, you can be done, taken to an employment tribunal for sort of unfair tactics at interviews even though you're not actually employing the person right but you mm. can't ask them for example how many children yeah. they have or if yeah. they're married or anything like that i mean there's some things that are allowed in other continents mm. that aren't in others but it's always good to know the laws before you go in this way you can keep a list of the things that you can and can't say and i don't i know i've had customers come to me and clients ask me well how is it going to look like if i have all these questions listed down or how is it going to look if i have answers to questions and i read them and my answer is the same. It, how is it going to look? You, mm. You're going to turn around and say to them, I have so many juicy details I want to get across to you. Mm. I have so many accomplishments that I want to make sure I get every single one across to you. Mm. There's nothing wrong in reading your response. There's nothing wrong in trying to maintain a sense of um, completeness in your interview so that you can show that you're prepared. I mean, would you look badly on someone that showed up with 
answers? If they I, had points that they were making? I would use the sort of written answers thing purely for the, you know, the, the bit at the end where they want to ask questions. So it's not answers, Correct. it's questions. Right, rather. right. And to a certain extent, if you're uncomfortable about taking a planner into an interview, you know, substitute the planner for, say, index cards, you know, the five by three index cards that are, you know, that you would use if you were doing a presentation as just literally key points to remind yourself of, which you can just quickly look down at and then... Right, don't volu uh, don't write a volume on there either. No, 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 no. <laughs> just keep it simple. Just one, one or two cards. That's all it needs, really, or a, a, a sheet of notes or something like that. And at the end of the day is to uh, relax and sort of really sort of, you know, keep keep good sort of communication between you and them sort of thing. Because right. that's, that's another big bonus, really. Um, and, and don't lie because they'll find you out. <laughs> oh, good God. No, don't. There's no need to lie. The way that you've shown up is you're, mm. you're ready to go. There's a reason these people have invited you to the interview. They've read through what they you've had to offer, so obviously they're not asking just anyone mm. to the interview. You're showing up because they've seen that there is a sense of something in there that they would mm. like to hire. So show up knowing that you're wanted there, that you're probably going to make the place better off. And I know once you have the job, it's important to continue taking notes because eventually evaluations will come around. Mm. Eventually your boss will come in and say, hey, uh, my plate is busy and I need to write an evaluation on you. Tell me what you've done in the last three months so that I can figure this out. Yeah. And hasn't that hasn't that always been the case, Steve? Yeah, Have you noticed absolutely. with your bosses? Yeah. And I think I've said this before, is never undersell yourself. Don't always say, oh, that's just part of my job. No. No, no, no. It might be part of your job, but you want to take credit for something, then you've got to have record of doing it. You know, that's an interesting point. I work with veterans and, and military a lot, and that is the one issue that they get stuck up on is mm. that they say, you know, ma'am, that was part of my job. I don't see any reason why I want to toot my own horn. Well, mm. I'll tell you what. The interview is not about you. No. It's what you have accomplished for mm. your company. So those two things are mutually exclusive and they shouldn't be combined. Sometimes people feel awkward. They say, well, I don't like the spotlight on me. The spotlight isn't on you. The spotlight is on what you can accomplish for that employer and what you have accomplished. And sort of continuing in the sort of career mindedness, it's not just a, a job evaluation because, you know, game, game going from one sort of level to another, um, it's you know you're that's like an internal job interview in in a way in some companies that some some people don't actually go through an interview process to be promoted within the, the job sometimes it's done on a job evaluation scheme correct and and for that you need evidence of doing work at the next level up and your planner maybe we should really talk in a second about do you keep a work planner sort of in parallel to a your personal life one or not well let's but, do that then i mean yeah um but so you know you're using your use your planner to record sort of key things in a week or um you know it's it's like we keep a we might keep a journal about what we do in our sort of personal life or whatever but in our work situation it's useful to know what you did in a week or in a month or whatever to sort of have a potted history of what what you've done so when your um, annual evaluation thing comes up you've got all that sort of stuff that you actually did or 
even a record of it just to remind yourself of whether that particular job was in this year or the previous year. You don't right. want to try and claim credit for things two years running sort of thing. So it, it's And only... you want to look as professional as possible. Absolutely. Right? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, and you also want to make sure that you're keeping track of the daily tasks. That's why I like the mm. diary formats. You can keep track of what's going on because there are tasks that eventually lead to the completion of a, com of a certain project. And th that's a milestone then. So th what you're actually tracking are the milestones that have led to the particular project. And then when the evaluation comes up, they say, well, let us know how you participated in this project. You can then go back and say X number of, of successes over the course of four months. And now you've got yourself a promotable bullet mm. point that allows the boss to say, well, not only did they perform and complete the project, but they also performed above standard, above mm. level that was expected or anticipated. Yeah. So that's always nice to have. And and so that leads us to the next point, uh, Steve. Should we keep a planner at work or should we just have one or what's, what's your call on that? I... Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> My failing, no. Um... I actually went back to Filofax, as you know, because of, you know, changing job and working in a um, secure sort of environment. So I wasn't allowed to use electronic planners and what have you. Um, if I was going to sort of go back in time and do it all over again, I would certainly adopt um, a completely different approach to what I, how I use it now or how I used it then. And I would actually have a separate work planner which would stay at work. It would have to stay at work. It would have to be put in a secure cabinet every night. <laughs> um, and all the rest of it. And I, I would sort of keep it separate from sort of personal stuff. But obviously then would there would be the requirement, I suppose, to synchronize sort of any appointments and stuff that were going to impact or my holiday intentions would have to go in one direction. Some stuff wouldn't necessarily go from work to personal, but certainly in the other direction sort of thing. Um, so that's worth sort of considering. It de I, I really suppose it depends on what, what sort of job you're involved in. in. In my situation, I wasn't allowed to sort of take stuff out of the building sort of thing. So that was a big deciding factor, I suppose, um, on how I would sort of arrange it. But if you're able to sort of, you know, work doesn't mind you sort of um, combining the two together, then there's no harm in um, having them in the one binder or yeah. planner or whatever. It would certainly, I, you know, I wish in some ways, if I had my time again, I would certainly be using some of the things and tips and things that we've spoken about already um, to you know, have the evidence to prove that I was doing what I was in, ah. being paid to do and all the rest of it, certainly. Well, uh. you know, what I would do, because I work from home now, but I used to work in an office setting, and I think that the conclusion I've come to is that even if you set up work appointments, it's still you that's doing it. Mm. So there's not going to be ever a moment where you decide that you're going to have a staff meeting, for example, at 10 a.m., and that your laundry needs to get done at 10 a.m. as well mm. at home, right? There's there's never going to be no. – you can't be in two places at the same time. So what I would do is I would have one planner and I would keep one tab for 
work tasks so I can track yeah, yeah. daily work tasks but the schedule stays the same mm. because I'm never going to be in two places at once so why not keep track of everything that needs to be done mm. at work and everything in my personal life in the same place because they're all getting done by me all mm. one at a time either consecutively or parallel but either way they're getting done by me so mm. I don't find that I need to keep a separate one at work the only way that I the only thing I would keep separate at work would be like I said the tabs that would show the tasks and the projects that I'm working yeah. on yeah. because those don't need to travel anywhere and if they get lost at home or mm. on the way from home to work or whatever that would be a crisis um, so I would probably leave that at work mm. so I can see someone having two planners in that sense s saving the work stuff at work and not wanting to have it combined mm. because it's never the a work schedule is never going to combine or conflict with what you're doing at home once you're home you're home you don't have to worry about what's on the schedule at work that's tomorrow or the next day right mm. so that way you can have two planners but I just don't like the idea of having two calendars that stresses me yeah. out that I think would be unmanageable yeah, those that sort of thing does have to be sort of combined in some way or form. Um, yeah, from a planner sort of as in diary point of view, yes, right, having right. only one makes a lot of sense. Um, and as you say, the separate sections that you include, whether those sections stay in a separate binder at work or whether you carry them backwards and forwards, um, it will depend really on sort of your work situation won't it right um, it's quite a different discipline i think working at home compared to um going to work and that that's a whole new sort of um area <laughs> really in the way um <laughs> i actually in my my own case even though i sort of you know don't work in the true sense of the word i do actually separate out sort of the the sort of personal home life if you like um, from the blogging activities and the online activities in the sort of tasks and actually separate those out to make things um, a bit e easier to, to find. So have we got to tips of the week, Corrine, if we haven't mentioned them already? We've <laughs> gone through so many things. I don't, I'm trying to think of a quick one now. Yeah, I've well, got one. Well, what, what is your tip then? My tip really is from... An unemployed point of view, mm. or underemployed, if you wish, <laughs> having the record of the jobs you're looking for in your sort of contact sheets and what have you proves to the unemployment uh, people, the, the agency or whatever, of what steps you're taking to find a job. And I actually sort of, at the time, I actually put together a folder it wasn't a planner it was just like a folder mm. of um each job that i was looking for the actual ad job a photocopy of the job advert a photocopy of the application form i'd sent in and all the paperwork was all made up into separate folders so i could go into the unemployment exchange once every week or every two weeks or whatever it was and they wanted to see evidence of what you'd been doing to right. get a job and so they could sort of give you tips back again to see whether you were doing the right thing or not. So, yeah, use use your planner as evidence as more and more, more and more all the time. Yeah, that's a great tip. Uh, one of the tips that I use uh, for my veterans, I think they've found this to be very handy, is when you're starting your job search, 
con consider making a separate email address and mm. um, make sure your phone has a nice recorded message on it, it's something professional. Because that way, if you have just one email address dedicated to job searching, it won't interfere with your personal life. Every time you go into your folder for emails, it will be only job search related materials and it will be a professional one. And this way you can also print out and hole punch all the information that comes out through your mm. email into your planner and you won't have to be searching around everywhere. I know that's more of a digital tip, but it really is an analog tip if you think mm. about it because ultimately you're trying to collect information and the last thing you want to do is have everything scattered where you don't know where it is. And that's that's been an issue with job searches. Well, certainly with in my situation was the fact that I couldn't actually sort of easily transport. I didn't have a laptop. Mm. Tablets hadn't been invented, um, so it wasn't. Sort you mean of, you mean clay tablets, right? Yeah, Writing clay tablets. Yeah. So it was right, much right. easier to actually take paper <laughs> into an office to actually show, um, and it, it won the side each time. There's no doubt about it. Um, I have always had interviewers tell me that they've been impressed when people have walked in with planners or with their mm. information or with their. Um, possible work uh, mm. potential shown and displayed. I think it's a very good way to prepare yourself. I think you ought to use your planner to the fullest potential and don't be afraid to write everything down. Some people are just like, oh, I don't have time for that right now or it's going to take time. Mm. Yeah, but eventually you're going to have to take the time to write it out anyway. Yeah. And once you have it, you don't have to recreate it out of your brain. No, it's there and you've recorded it once. Right, right. You just need to find it again. It's right. simple. Yeah. So where can we find you on the net? Oh, you can find me in a lot of places. You can find me at thinkerextraordinaire.com. You can find me on Instagram at Tovmasian, And you can just email me if you have questions, Tovmasian at gmail.com. And you can find me in the usual places at filofaxi.com and travelersnotebooktimes.com. And remember, don't panic. <laughs>